you're at a place you just discovered. And being an American Express Platinum card member with Global Dining Access by Resi helped you score tickets to quite the dining experience. Okay, chef. You're looking at something you've never seen before, much less tasted. After your first bite, you say nothing because you're speechless. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your dining experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Young looking for one last gasp. His pass deflected, stolen. Grant Williams will dribble it out. And the Boston Celtics finally able to turn out the lights on Atlanta. On Thursday night, the Boston Celtics, one of the favorites to win the NBA title, moved on to the Eastern Conference semifinals. But during their not always so smooth first round series against Atlanta, we got a reminder that there are still questions when it comes to their 34-year-old head coach, Joe Mazzulla. I don't know if he's a bad coach, Joe Mazzulla. I just know that he's learning on the job as this goes along. And I don't want to coach for a team that has a chance to win the title, that is still favored to win the title, who's learning on the job. Mazzulla's coming off a very successful regular season, which makes it easy to forget he isn't even supposed to be here. Mazzulla took over the team on the eve of the season when the Celtics as a franchise were reeling. Boston Celtics head coach Ime Doka was suspended for the entire upcoming season for, quote, violations of team policies, the team announced. We've never seen a suspension in the NBA like this before. And this is not just some coach. He had his team two wins away from an NBA championship just a couple of months ago. Today, Jared Weiss from The Athletic tells us how the team's identity on and off the floor have changed under Missoula. Plus, the one question that won't go away, does he have what it takes to lead this team to a title? From Wondery, I'm Tiffany Oshinsky. It's Friday, April 28th, and this is The Lead. Jared Weiss, welcome back to The Lead. Thank you for taking the time to join us during this very hectic week and very hectic time of the year. This was supposed to be an easy week for the Celtics, but I don't think that's happening in the (laughs) NBA playoffs anymore. Trying to keep you on your toes. That's what they're trying to do. (laughs) My toes are sore at this point, honestly. (laughs) So, Jared, we're here today to look at how things have changed for Boston under the leadership of Joe Mazzulla. And to do that, we have to go back in time a bit. So, Last season, this team made a run to the NBA Finals. How would you describe the playing style and culture of that team under Ime Udoka? There was a pretty huge sea change under Udoka just because he was basically brought in there by Brad Stevens, who was his predecessor, to be like, just break stuff and (laughs) let's piece it all back together. That seemed to be the edict there. That's the way Udoka coaches. And it took a while to piece it all together, but when it was fixed, it was fixed. I mean, they were absolutely incredible in the, really the last third of the regular season. And they almost won the championship. The Warriors just were a more experienced team. They just weren't quite ready for that moment. And that'll do it. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. The Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. And there's Andre Iguodala showing such respect to the young star, Jason Tatum, who had brilliance in these playoffs but fell short in the finals. We did it, Joe. We did it, man. 
I think a big thing that changed under Udoka, for a few years there, everybody was trying to do basically spread, pick, and roll, which is you got a great score in the middle of the floor, you're setting screens for him, you got shooters all around him, a lot of the way that James Harden did it in Houston. And that's what they were building with Jason Tatum in Boston. And it was just a little too simplistic and predictable. And Tatum just wasn't good enough yet to really be able to dominate in a system like that the way that some of these other great players can. And so Udoka, I think, did a really nice job of ironically kind of collapsing the spacing, going into the post more with their best players, trying to figure out how can we get cross matches? How can we get smaller defenders or slower defenders on our guys and take advantage from there and force the defense to try to compensate? And the Celtics got so good at that that their offense was just absolutely destroying everybody. And Udoka did all that while also turning them into a defensive juggernaut. A big thing that Stevens did and their front office did was they used to have point guards like Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, Isaiah Thomas, these great scoring playmakers that just could not defend. And they were like, screw this. We got some good playmakers in Tatum and Brown. What we're going to do is we're going to start Marcus Smart. We're going to have bigs. We're going to be this huge lineup that can switch and defend. And that was really their identity last year. Well, let's jump to this past September when the Celtics were thrown into turmoil before the current season even started. Can you remind us what happened with Udoka and what the reaction was within the Celtics organization? So Udoka, just kind of out of nowhere, was suspended for a year. Ime Udoka led the Boston Celtics all the way to the NBA Finals. Now the team is benching its new star coach for the entire season. In a statement, the Celtics said Udoka violated team policies with no elaboration. It was an absolute bomb dropping right before training camp. Eventually, it was reported out that he had had an inappropriate workplace relationship, the details of which are still unknown, as Yimudoka did not shed any light on that at his recent introductory press conference in Houston. And so all of us show up at media day and everyone's like, what the hell is going on in this franchise? The team was keeping it very, very tight sealed to the point that they weren't even telling the players exactly what was going on. Of all the player reactions that stood out at media day, the one that I just won't forget is Marcus Smart, who said that it's been hell for us. It's been hell. Um, Just caught off surprise. Nobody really knows anything. So we're just in the wind, just like everybody else. So these last couple of days, as far as this has been confusing. There was this massive cloud of uncertainty. It's really hard to remember how severe it was now because things have been going so well. But like, it really felt like this franchise that was right at the precipice of becoming the big franchise in the NBA was falling apart once again. As we said at the top, the guy who took over for Udoka was assistant coach Joe Mazzulla, who became interim head coach at that time. I think it's fair to say Mazzulla really wasn't a household name at all when he got this job. So... Who is this guy, Jared? Can you tell us a little bit about Missoula's background and his history as a player? I mean, there weren't many households that knew Joe Missoula at all, really. <laughs> and, you know, the thing is, most teams have one guy somewhere in the staff where everyone's like, I see that guy or that woman eventually making the leap. They have the tools, they have the demeanor, they have the knowledge, they have the passion. And Joe came up a lot over the past few years. He interviewed for a few positions. He was a surprise interview for Brad Stevens' old position when Udoka ended up getting it. He was a finalist for the Utah job that his colleague, Will Hardy, ended up getting. I think the big thing that everybody kind of said was just that 
His empathy and his dedication are just through the roof. And when you go back to when he was a player at West Virginia in college. Joe, coming into this game, 17 points for you. A little bit of unexpected scoring. What does it feel like to go to the Final Four with your teammates? It's just, it's an amazing feeling. And, uh, you know, it's not only that we want to go there for our teammates, but, you know, no, we couldn't have done it without these people. Well, have a great time there. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's for West Virginia. When he was a coach at Fairmont State, the two team, when he was a coach in with the main Red Claws, their G League team back in the day, there's this very consistent message of he genuinely cared and really invested himself into other people. And his work ethic was like honestly disturbing. It was so intense. So just four days after Ime Udoka was suspended for the season, Joe Mazzola was suddenly in the spotlight at Media Day in September. So Jared, how did Missoula carry himself in that press conference? And what did he say about how he planned to lead this team? So a really important piece of context to understanding Missoula's ascension is that most of the time, the coach that gets promoted as the interim is the associate head coach, basically the, the top deputy coach, and they're sliding over one chair. It's like a president and their chief of staff, essentially. Joe was not the associate head coach. Joe was on the back of the bench. He wasn't even on the mm-hmm. front row where the prime assistants are. And he was about to finally make that leap to the front row, and he just leapt all the way to the top chair. <laughs> and so that's the craziest promotion ever. Yeah. It's like Billy Madison taking over his, his father's <laughs> empire. Except Joe went to, he had his doctorate in basketball at this point. And so Joe came in and he could have gone two ways with it. He could have really established his authority and say, this is my team. I'm going to make sure that we are on the right path. And he did some of that for sure. But the thing that he did that was unique and it was different was he said, this is the player's team. I'm here to help guide them. The most important thing for me is making sure that the players and myself are on the same page, making sure we're focused on the expectations that we have for this season from a basketball standpoint and, you know, how we move forward together, building trust and building relationships. I think that's key. And I'm going to give them love and I'm going to give them trust and expect the same in return. So he did not set himself up for, I would say, for power, for control. Because these players were like so wounded at the time, they were really, really wounded by Udoko's departure. I mean, the message is first to give people space and time, not just for the players, but for everybody. It's an unfortunate situation for everyone involved. And so you have to give people the time and space to feel and the time and space to heal. And so that's key. You can't rush anything. He wanted them to all feel like we already had something built here. I'm not here to change that. I'm here to continue to accentuate that. And I think you're ready to help lead that as players. In watching some of his press conferences, it seems like Missoula can be kind of prickly with reporters sometimes. Did you get a sense of that during his introductory press conference? A little bit, but not really. What's so fascinating about Joe is that he is so kind and so great to engage with in a normal setting. But he gets on the podium, he's like Bill Belichick up there. It's unbelievable. You had a comfortable 28-point lead. What happened after that? And with Jason going back in, is that something you were hoping to avoid? No, I was hoping to win the game. We decided for a period of time to throw the ball to the team in the white jersey instead of the black ones. He could be combative, he could be short, he could be difficult. I always had a question about, like, when we shoot a lot of threes and miss, everybody asks me questions, but when we shoot a lot of layups and miss, nobody says anything. How many layups we missed today? I think we've all gotten a feel for how to push the buttons in the right direction to get him to be responsive. I think he had to feel out over the course of the year, like, how much can he do this shtick? 
Um, a non-basketball question. Did you get a chance to meet with the royal family? And if not, how was it like having them there in the building? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? <laughs> the prince and princess of Wales. Oh, no, I did not. But I mean, it is genuinely who he is. Like, he likes acting like that. But then, like, he'll walk off the podium. We'll have, like, a five-minute conversation. It's great. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a strategy. It's a charade. It definitely makes life entertaining as a reporter. That's for sure. It also seems like Joe Missoula is not afraid to call people out, whether that's someone from the media or a player. So can you expand a little bit on that fiery aspect of his personality and the impact it has had on the players specifically? So I'm going to make a very important distinction here. Okay. He does not really call out his players publicly. Okay. Behind closed doors, oh God, yes. But... (laughs) Ime Odoka, the big revelation with him was that he was calling out everybody on his team and the opponent and anybody that he had to say something about, he would say it. Joe has been much more cautious this year in the way he does criticism. But he'll usually continue to say things like maintaining awareness and perspective. That's like kind of one of his big catchphrases. And I guess it's kind of a softer approach to saying the exact same thing while you may just be like, yeah, that guy sucked or like that guy's playing terribly. He needs to get it together. And so it's definitely a different approach. But behind closed doors, Joe is known to be as fiery a competitor as there is. I never really got the whole thing about Joe and the competitiveness and all that until I think it was on Christmas Day. I thought the game was like two hours earlier than it actually was. So I showed up to the arena way too early and I caught the coaches playing their pickup game. And I had heard their pickup games were pretty intense. It was the most insane game of basketball I've ever witnessed in my entire life. And it all revolved around Joe, who was just screaming at everybody. He was shoving people. He was talking trash and I'm not allowed to repeat on the lead. I'll just put it that way. And one of the coaches walked off and they had to like beg him to come back because he was so mad at Joe. And it just showed that Joe is able to flip the switch on the way he expresses himself so dramatically. And so there's these moments within games and within their pickup games when you know during practices where he just goes absolutely crazy on, on everybody. And I think that Jalen and Jason and really everybody on this team has come to understand over time that, and if you know his background, you understand this, that like he wants to win so badly, but it's not just about him. He wants to lead a group so badly to win. And if you can embrace the reason why he is so intense, you can really get behind it. And I think that's what has been going for them most of this year. And there's been some moments where they had to like really learn it. After all the turmoil, the Celtics actually got off to a great start under Missoula. They were 21-5 and as of early December. So what can you tell us about the team's playing style that was emerging with Missoula and any ways that may have been different from what we saw under Udoka? I think a big thing that changed was, so Rob Williams was out because he had knee surgery right before the season. And they had to play small. And they were like, let's just play with pace. We have tons of ball handlers out here. We're just going to move the ball and we're going to keep it flowing and we're going to drive and kick. We're going to always have shooters everywhere. Smart. Open. Again. Wow. Wow. I watched the Warriors drop 47 in the first quarter. I thought that was incredible. Man, Mike, we might go for 50. They just came out the gate with so much energy in their offense. They were playing at such a high pace that they were creating wide open threes like 25 times a game. I'd never really seen anything like it since like when the Warriors first kind of arrived on the scene and they were just, people couldn't handle what they were doing offensively. Good night. 
The NBA's best team just getting better and better. It feels almost effortless. The Celtics on the road, up by 29. That eventually fell off. The irony is that it started with the Miami Heat, who are once again upending the NBA, but they faced the Miami Heat right at the end of November, and that's when we started to see that they were lacking a little bit of oomph. Give the Heat credit. A lot. I mean, this game, I did not think that they were going to be on this level. They came to play today. They were active. They were physical defensively. And they earned this win. And I think one thing that Udoka did really well is he got these guys to just figure out how to use their physicality really effectively. I think that Udoka really helped bring that identity back into the way they played, gave them a sense of intensity and competitiveness and having that dog in them. And things were just going so smoothly early on that I think they kind of lost that. And once they had to face reality, you know, reality really hit them in the face. And the Pacers hold on. That's the way things are going for this club right now. And they are suddenly 0-3 at home on this homestand. Now, another notable trend under Joe Missoula on the floor has to do with timeouts. Mm. And specifically, a lack of timeouts. What can you tell us about that, Jared? Joe is really inspired by soccer. He's a huge soccer guy. He sees a lot of the similarities between the two sports. You know, in soccer, you can't call timeouts. You start the half and then you play 45-ish minutes and then you get a chance to talk to your team again. And so I think that he was inspired by a lot of the way that those coaches had to communicate with their teams on the fly, bake in principles and adjustments before the game at halftime and so forth. And a big part early in the season of him explaining his timeout approach, which is something that like Phil Jackson used to do a lot. And Phil Jackson was a pretty decent coach, I guess, you know, maybe the best ever. <laughs> he wanted to give them adversity early on, being like, I'm not going to bail you out when you're playing terribly stay out there, figure it out, and build that ability to swim when it's time to sink or swim. And we saw kind of the biggest test of all of that against Atlanta in game five, where he did not call a timeout as the tide was starting to turn on them. And they kind of got it together, but it was just like a little too late. And so they ended up losing because Trey Young hit some incredible shots. And so this methodology has been tested out throughout this entire season. I know that a lot of the time when they lose, people want to point to it being the reason, but I think there's a lot of times where they've won because he also stuck with it. You know, Missoula is different in a lot of ways, and I think this is probably the best representation of it. Okay, coming up, the challenges the Celtics face in a second round showdown against the Sixers. And is Joe Missoula the right guy to lead Boston to a championship? Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. 
but those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code WONDERY to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So, Jared, we have a pretty good sense of how things have changed for the Celtics on the court in terms of their playing style. We also wanted to ask you about the atmosphere in the locker room. Specifically, you wrote a story recently for The Athletic about the significance of one of the team buses. So, can you tell us about the Bus One Boys? This is honestly one of my favorite stories I've ever done. (laughs) I loved it, too. (laughs) I was literally laughing hysterically the entire time while I was putting it together. I remember there was at one point I interviewed Blake Griffin for it and both of us were like almost falling over in the locker room laughing so hard because everything (laughs) about the bus one boys is just ridiculous. So long story short is the first bus that goes to the arena every single game or goes to the practice every single game that's comprised of basically the bench guys, the guys that don't really get in the game and they get to the games earlier because there is like a schedule of everybody getting in their 15 minute workouts and the players that they want to play, they're going to warm up the latest so that they're kind of still warm and still in rhythm. And so the group of bus one is essentially Blake Griffin, who's new to the team, Lou Cornette, who is this tall, goofy, shockingly multifaceted talent, Peyton Pritchard, now Mike Muscala, Fondio Cabangele, and Sam Hauser. And I forgot to mention Justin Jackson and Noah Vonley, who were originally with the team. And that's an important part of the story. But Everybody has totally different personalities, different tracks in life. You know, Blake Griffin is a former superstar who has been around the league forever. He's a pretty good comedian and actor. Like, he's done so many different things in his career. Man, I wish there were a basketball league for women so I could play. Well, there is. It's the WNBA. Yeah. Yeah. The WNBA. I mean, they are so good. I literally steal moves from them all the time. Are you kidding? All the time. Luke Cornett has a beautiful singing voice. I've been told that he has the voice of an angel. I've heard him singing at Thames in the locker room. He actually can really sing well. Sam Hauser is from Wisconsin, and they just make fun of him for being from Wisconsin over and over again. <laughs> Luke Cornett made a theme song. There's a theme song I now? crafted it in about 10 minutes on the bus on the way to a game. We're going to have to pay a little bit of uh, royalties off to Billy Joel from Uptown <laughs> okay. Girl. Yeah. He was taking Uptown Girl. It's Bus, bus one, one Boys. And there's a couple stairs. And their whole thing is that the only rule to being in the bus one, boys, it's like Fight Club, is you have to be in the bus one. That's it. You just got to get on the bus. Is there's like significant and intense shaming if you're ever not on bus one. Oh. So it's definitely like, yeah. like it's all happy and positive vibes, but there is deep, deep fear underlying all of it of being ostracized from the group. <laughs> and I feel like it's that fear 
that really makes uh, the best of us all come out. It brings you together. It's a great lesson for us. If you don't get on the bus and you don't declare you're not going to be on the bus, it's like this incredible crime against humanity. They had to have an intervention (laughs) with Noah Vonley when he didn't show up to see if he was about that life. And honestly, the Celtics locker room is like pretty quiet compared to most teams in the NBA. You know, most teams in the NBA, they got music going. Everyone's kind of joking around. The stars of the team are kind of holding court a lot of the time. On this team, it's very quiet, except for the Bus One Boys. It's a little bit less exactly our group and more about Bus One Boys throughout the NBA and the the weird experiences that you go to when you arrive at the arena at 3 o'clock for a 7.30 game. That's not exactly accurate, but it was hyperbole, and that's a literary device. Okay, I want to hear about these. When we go in there before the game, after the game, the Bus One Boys are just always sitting around doing something ridiculous. Well, fun on the bus seems like it's at odds with the pretty intense vibes that Joe Mazzola is putting out there in press conferences. So is this something that carried over from the Ime Udoka's time leading the team? Or is this a new development? And what, if anything, does it say about the team culture with Mazzola in charge? I mean, the bus one boys thing is kind of a little bit of carryover. But I think having Blake Griffin come aboard really helps. But You know, Blake Griffin would be actually a good center point to understanding the evolution of his team this year. I think last year there was so much strife because they were struggling to figure things out. And there was this frustration. Like, we just had our coach leave. You know, we just had our GM leave. We have a new coach here. It's like, we got to get this together now. And so I think there was a lot of tension around that. And then after last year, there was a little bit of ease and the confidence that comes with making a finals run and keeping your whole court together because they kept everybody from that team. But so I think that this year there's been a bit of more of a lightness and I think there's been a bit more of a confidence that the ups and downs of the regular season aren't a big deal for us because we're going to get it together in the playoffs. So, Jared, in February, Boston removed the interim tag from Joe Mazzola's job title and officially made him the head coach. But in the first round, the Celtics looked at least a little bit vulnerable against the number seven seed Hawks. I know we talked about the lack of timeouts earlier, but what are some of the other big criticisms of Missoula that emerged during the season and during the series against Atlanta? There has been some inconsistency in the rotations that he's used throughout the year. I don't think it's that out of the ordinary, but there are a few guys that you feel like should be known as consistent closing lineup guys. Derek White being the main one. You know, Derek White has been their third best player this season. He's been phenomenal. And he kind of finds himself in and out of the lineup sometimes. Missoula, it kind of ties into the timeout thing. Sometimes Missoula wants to ride things out. And, you know, sometimes that works, right? He's not doing it because he has no idea what he's doing. He went with this option because it's a good idea. And he wants to give him more time to make it work. And I think the hardest thing to do as a coach, really, is when it gets to the playoffs, knowing when to pull the plug. Having that feel for understanding whether this thing is not going to work for another three possessions and those three possessions are going to bury you. There have also been some criticisms of the players that surfaced during last year's run to the finals and resurfaced some in the first round this year. Can you tell us about some of those issues on the court? The first thing is just Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum is a huge star. He's 25. He's not quite at his prime yet. And so there are going to be some nights where his decision-making isn't going to be as good as it would be for like LeBron James or Giannis Antetokounmpo in their prime. And But the bar is just so insanely high with Tatum that I feel like every time that he fails, people act like it's a huge deal. I don't think it is. Don't ride the highs. Don't ride the lows. Tatum wants to be on the ball and basically run point in crunch time. And he's gotten good at it for sure. 
but you kind of need your point guards out there to set him up instead of having him run the whole show where sometimes he'll come down and he'll just take an isolation jump shot and it's kind of like a terrible play. Give the ball to your guards. Let them get him the ball with the right matchup at the right angle, things of that nature. Same thing with Jalen Brown too. And so I think that that is starting to creep back up because they a big thing that plagued them this year was they had so many collapses in crunch time against teams that like they should have been able to handle pretty easily. They've taken their foot off the gas a lot this year. And I guess part of that is you're the hunted now. You're the top dog. And so people are always going to be coming at you. And they have to learn that as soon as they feel the throttle ease up a little bit, you got to keep that foot steady. And if they can do that, they probably will win the championship. Looking ahead to the second round against the Sixers, what are you expecting from that series? And how do the Celtics match up against Philly? Well, there's this massive cloud over the series because Joel Embiid has an injured knee, and we just have no idea if he's going to play. I have talked to some people who say there's no way he's going to play in the first three or four games. I've talked to some people that say, oh, he'll definitely be playing in game one. So who knows if he's going to play? If he's not playing, how on earth could Philadelphia beat them? There is no way, but of course there is a way, right? (laughs) They should win that pretty comfortably. If Embiid is in there, this brings us back to our double big conversation. They will probably have to play double big most of the time to handle Embiid and still protect the rim when he pulls the center out. So then, how does your offense keep up, especially against a team where the Sixers want to funnel the ball defensively towards Embiid, and he can just do anything he wants defensively? So the Celtics, if they have to play on the Sixers' terms, it's going to be a tough series for them. If they're able to kind of establish themselves early and they'll have home court advantage, Embiid is going to be playing hurt if he is playing, they need to come out of the gate and really seize control of the series, and they should be able to win it. Finally, Jared, after everything they've been through this season and what we saw in the first round, does this team under Joe Mazzulla's leadership still look poised to make a run at a title? And is there belief in the Celtics organization that Joe Mazzulla is the right guy to get them there? I sure hope so, because they gave him an extension when they didn't need to. (laughs) When they eventually reached the agreement with Udoka to let him go, they immediately promoted Mazzulla. They could have waited. They could have waited to see how he handles the situation. And the fact that they had that much confidence in him at that moment to get the full deal, especially when there are other coaches they could have gone after in the marketplace, I think that shows just how much they believe in this guy. Ime Odoka coming into the playoffs last year, we didn't know if he was going to prove himself to be a great coach. And I think he really did. He went toe-to-toe with Eric Spolstra and Steve Kerr, and I think he really held his own for most of those series. Joe Mazzulla has established that he has an incredible amount of coaching competence. And over the course of this playoffs, we're going to get a feel for, does he have the pulse on when to switch things up, as we talked about earlier? And that, in the end, is going to define him. Because they can come up with the game plans, they have the talent. It's all about, can he actually make the right call in the heat of those moments? And can he just call a timeout when it needs to call a timeout? Just please, just once. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Jared, for taking the time to speak with me about this. Good luck the rest of the postseason and go ice down those toes. (laughs) I'll go right to that. You can follow Jared Weiss's coverage of the Celtics at theathletic.com and hear him on the NBA Daily Ding podcast. Okay, that's it for today. This episode was produced by Matt Straub and edited by Anders Kelto. Audio editing by Daniel Gonzalez. Additional production assistance by Matt Beagle. Fact-checking by Charlotte Edmonds. Sound design and mixing by Aaron May. The rest of our team includes Joe Richardson, Adrian Tapia, and Ian Hurley. Our executive producer is Anders Kelto. The lead is executive produced by Dave Easton, Marshall Louie, and Jen Sargent for Wondery. From Wondery, I'm Tiffany Oshinsky. We'll talk to you next week. 
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to The Lead ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. And before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. If you travel, you know when it comes to love. See you soon. Can't wait. The sky is no limit. You know with your Delta Amex card, being oceans apart means meeting in Aruba. And booking a war travel with your card means saving 15% on Delta flights. You know, kissing under the bridge of size guarantees eternal love because you're the long distance lovebirds. It's why you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card member. If you travel, you know. Takeoff 15 discount not applicable to partner operated flights or taxes and fees. Terms apply. Visit go.amex slash you know.